Section 13 of the Natural History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Garvin. The Natural History of Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 13. Chapter 24. Memory. It would be far from easy to pronounce what person has been the most remarkable for the excellence of his memory, that blessing so essential for the enjoyment of life, there having been so many who have been celebrated for it. King Cyrus knew all the soldiers of his army by name, El Scipio the names of all the Roman people. Cineas, the ambassador of King Pyrrhus, knew by name all the members of the Senate and the Equestrian Order, the day after his arrival at Rome. Mithridates, who was king of twenty-two nations, administered their laws in as many languages, and could harangue each of them without employing an interpreter. There was in Greece a man named Carmidas, who, when a person asked him for any book in the library, could repeat it by heart, just as though he were reading. Memory, in fine, has been made an art, which was first invented by the lyric poet Simonides, and perfected by Metrodorus of Skepsis so as to enable persons to repeat word for word exactly what they have heard. Nothing whatever in man is of so frail a nature as the memory, for it is affected by disease, by injuries, and even by fright, being sometimes partially lost, and at other times entirely so. A man who received a blow from a stone forgot the names of the letters only, while, on the other hand, another person who fell from a very high roof could not so much as recollect his mother or his relations and neighbors. Another person, in consequence of some disease, forgot his own servants even, and Messala Corvinus, the orator, lost all recollection of his own name. And so it is, that very often the memory appears to attempt, as it were, to make its escape from us, even while the body is at rest and in perfect health. When sleep, too, comes over us, it is cut off altogether, so much so that the mind, in its vacancy, is at a loss to know where we are. Chapter 25. Vigor of Mind The most remarkable instance, I think, of vigor of mind in any man ever born, was that of Caesar the Dictator. I am not at present alluding to his valor and courage, nor yet his exalted genius, which was capable of embracing everything under the face of heaven, but I am speaking of that innate vigor of mind, which was so peculiar to him, and that promptness which seemed to act like a flash of lightning. We find it stated that he was able to write or read, and at the same time to dictate and listen. He could dictate to his secretaries four letters at once, and those on the most important business. And indeed, if he was busy about nothing else, as many as seven. He fought as many as fifty pitched battles, being the only commander who exceeded in Marcellus, in this respect, he having fought only in thirty-nine. In addition, too, to the victories gained by him in the civil wars, one million one hundred and ninety-two thousand men were slain by him in his battles. For my own part, however, I am not going to set it down as a subject for high renown, what was really an outrage committed upon mankind, even though he may have been acting under the strong influence of necessity. And indeed, he himself confesses as much, in his omission to state the number of persons who perished by the sword in the civil wars. Chapter 26. Clemency and Greatness of Mind with much more justice we may award credit to Pompeius Magnus, for having taken from the pirates no less than eight hundred and forty-six vessels, 
though at the same time over and above the great qualities previously mentioned we must with equal justice give caesar the peculiar credit of a remarkable degree of clemency a quality in the exercise of which even to repentance he excelled all other individuals whatsoever the same person has left us one instance of magnanimity to which there is nothing that can be at all compared while one who was an admirer of luxury might perhaps on this occasion have enumerated the spectacles which he exhibited the treasures which he lavished away and the magnificence of his public works i maintain that it was the great proof and an incomparable one of an elevated mind for him to have burnt with the most scrupulous carefulness the papers of pompeius which were taken in his desk at the battle of pharsalia and those of scipio taking at thapsus without so much as reading them chapter twenty seven heroic exploits but now as it belongs fully as much to the glorious renown of the roman empire as to the victorious career of a single individual i shall proceed on this occasion to make mention of all the triumphs and titles of pompeius magnus the splendor of his exploits having equaled not only that of those of alexander the great but even of hercules and perhaps the father liber even after having recovered sicily where he first commenced his career as a partisan of Scylla, but in behalf of the republic after having conquered the whole of africa and reduced it to subjection and after having received for his share of the spoil the title of great he was decreed the honors of a triumph and he though only of equestrian rank a thing that had never occurred before re-entered the city in the triumphal chariot immediately after which he hastened to the west where he left it inscribed on the trophy which he raised upon the pyrenees that he had by his victories reduced to subjection eight hundred and seventy-six cities from the alps to the borders of farther spain at the same time he most magnanimously said not a word about sertorius after having put an end to the civil war which indeed was the primary cause of all the foreign ones he though still of only equestrian rank again entered rome in the triumphal chariot having proved himself a general thus often before having been a soldier after this he was dispatched to the shores of all the various seas and then to the east whence he brought back to his country the following titles of honor resembling therein those who conquer at the sacred games for be it remembered is not they that are crowned but their respective countries these honors then did he award to the city in the temple of minerva which he consecrated from the spoils that he had gained Gnaeus pompeius magnus imperator having brought to an end a war of thirty years duration and having defeated routed put to the sword or received the submission of twelve millions two hundred and seventy eight thousand men having sunk or captured eight hundred and forty six vessels having received as allies one thousand five hundred and thirty eight cities and fortresses and having conquered all the country from the maotis to the red sea dedicates this shrine as a votive offering due to minerva such in few words is the sum of his exploits in the east the following are the introductory words descriptive of the triumph which he obtained the third day before the calends of october in the consulship of m piso and m Masala. after having delivered the sea-coast from the pirates and restored the seas to the people of rome he enjoyed a triumph over asia pontus armenia paphlagonia cappadocia cilicia syria the scythians judea the albanians iberia the island of crete the basterni and in addition to all these the kings mithridates and tigranes 
the most glorious however of all glories resulting from these exploits was as he himself says in the speech which he made in public relative to his previous career that asia which he perceived as the boundary of the empire he left its centre if any one should wish on the other hand in a similar manner to pass and review the exploits of caesar who has shown himself greater still than pompeius why then he must enumerate all the countries in the world a task i may say without an end chapter twenty eight union in the same person of three of the highest qualities with the greatest purity many other men have excelled in different kinds of virtues cato however who was the first of the porcian family is generally thought to have been an example of the three greatest of human endowments for he was the most talented orator the most talented general and the most talented politician all which merits if they were not perceptible before him still shone forth more refulgently even in my opinion in scipio aemilianus who besides was exempted from that hatred on the part of many others under which cato laboured in consequence of which it was what must be owned to be a peculiarity in cato's career that he had to plead his own cause no less than four and forty times and yet though no person was so frequently accused he was always acquitted chapter twenty nine instances of extreme courage a minute inquiry by whom the greatest valor has ever been exhibited would lead to an endless discussion more especially if all the fables of the poets are to be taken for granted q Aeneas admired t cecilius denter and his brother to such a degree that on their account he added a sixteenth book to his annals l sicius dentatus who was tribune of the people in the consulship of spurius tarpeius and aeturius not long after the expulsion of the kings has also very numerous testimonies in his favor this hero fought one hundred and twenty battles was eight times victorious in single combat and was graced with forty-five wounds in the front of the body without one on the back the same man also carried off thirty-four spoils was eighteen times presented with a victor's spear and received twenty-five pendants eighty-three torques one hundred and sixty bracelets twenty-six crowns of which fourteen were civic eight golden three mural and one obsidional a fisc of money ten prisoners and twenty oxen altogether he followed in the triumphal processions of nine generals who mainly owed their victories to his exertions besides all which a thing that i look upon as the most important of all of his services he denounced to the people t romilius one of the generals of the army at the end of his consulship and had him convicted of having made an improper use of his authority the military honors of manlius capitolinus would have been no less splendid than his if they had not been all effaced at the close of his life before his seventeenth year he had gained two spoils and was the first of equestrian rank who received a mural crown he also gained six civic crowns thirty-seven donations and had twenty-three scars on the forepart of his body he saved the life of p servilius the master of the horse receiving wounds on the same occasion in the shoulders and the thigh besides all this unaided he saved the capital when it was attacked by the gauls and through that the state itself a thing that would have been the most glorious act of all if he had not so saved it in order that he might as its king become its master but in all matters of this nature although valor may affect much fortune does still more no person living in my opinion at least ever excelled m sergius although his great-grandson catiline tarnished the honors of his name 
in his second campaign he lost his right hand and in two campaigns he was wounded three and twenty times so much so that he could scarcely use either his hands or his feet still attended by a single slave he afterwards served in many campaigns though but an invalided soldier he was twice taken prisoner by hannibal for it was with no ordinary enemy that he would engage and twice did he escape from his captivity after having been kept without a single day's intermission in chains and fetters for twenty months on four occasions he fought with his left hand alone two horses being slain under him he had a right hand made of iron and attached to the stump after which he fought a battle and raised the siege of cremona defended placentia and took twelve of the enemy's camps in gaul all this we learn from an oration of his which he delivered when in his praetorship his colleagues attempted to exclude him from the sacred rites on the ground of his infirmities what heaps upon heaps of crowns would he have piled up if he had only had other enemies for in matters of this nature it is of the first importance to consider upon what times in especial the valour of each man has fallen what civic crowns did trebia what did the tacinus what did lake thrasymenus afford what crown was there to be gained at cannae where it was deemed the greatest effort of valour to have escaped from the enemy other persons have been conquerors of men no doubt but sergius conquered even fortune herself chapter thirty men of remarkable genius among so many different pursuits and so great a variety of works and objects who can select the palm of glory for transcendent genius unless perchance we should agree in opinion that no more brilliant genius ever existed than the greek poet homer whether it is that we regard the happy subject of his work or the excellence of its execution for this reason it was that alexander the great and it is only by judges of the such high estate that a sentence just and no biased by envy can be pronounced in the case of such lofty claims when he found among the spoils of darius the king of persia a casket for perfumes enriched with gold precious stones and pearls covered as he was with the dust of battle deemed it beneath a warrior to make use of vengeance and when his friends were pointing out to him its various uses exclaimed nay by hercules let the casket be used for preserving the poems of homer that so the most precious work of the human mind might be placed in the keeping of the richest work of art it was the same conqueror too who gave directions that the descendants and house of the poet pindar should be spared at the taking of thebes he likewise rebuilt the native city of aristotle uniting to the extraordinary brilliancy of his exploits the speaking testimony of his kindliness of disposition apollo impeached by name the assassins of the poet archilochus at delphi while the lacedaemonians were besieging athens father liber ordered the funeral rites to be performed for sophocles the very prince of the tragic buskin repeatedly warning their king lysander in his sleep to allow of the burial of his favorite upon this the king made inquiry who had lately died in athens and understanding without any difficulty from the athenians to whom the god referred he allowed the funeral rites to be performed without molestation chapter thirty one men who have been remarkable for wisdom dionysus the tyrant who otherwise manifested a natural propensity for cruelty and pride sent a vessel crowded with garlands to meet plato that high priest of wisdom and on his disparkation received him on the shore in a chariot drawn by four white horses Socrates was able to sell a single oration of his for twenty talents Aeschines, the great athenian orator after he had read to the rhodians the speech which he had made on the accusation of demosthenes read the defence made by demosthenes 
through which he had been driven into exile among them when they expressed their admiration of it how much more said he would you have admired it if you had heard him deliver it himself a striking testimony indeed given in adversity to the merit of an enemy the athenians sent their general thucydides into banishment but recalled him as their historian admiring his eloquence though they had punished his want of valor a strong testimony too was given to the merit of menander the famous comic poet by the kings of egypt and macedonia in sending to him a fleet and an embassy though what was still more honorable to him he preferred enjoying the converse of his literary pursuits to the favor of kings the nobles too of rome have given their testimonies in favor of foreigners even cn pompeius after having finished the war against mithridates when he went to call at the house of Poseidonus, the famous teacher of philosophy, forbade the lictor to knock at the door, as was the usual custom, and he to whom both the eastern and the western world had yielded submission, ordered the fasces to be lowered before the door of a learned man. Cato the censor, after he had heard the speech of Carnades, who was one of the embassies sent from Athens, of three men famous for their learning, gave it as his opinion that the ambassadors ought to be dismissed as soon as possible, because in consequence of his ingenious method of arguing it became extremely difficult to distinguish truth from falsehood what an extraordinary change too in our modes of thinking this cato constantly gave it out as his decided opinion that all greeks ought to be expelled from italy while on the other hand his great-grandson cato of utica upon his return from his military tribuneship brought back with him a philosopher and a second one when he returned from his embassy to cyprus and it is a very remarkable fact that the same language which had been prescribed by one of the Catos was introduced among us by the other. But let us now give some account of the honors of our own countrymen. The elder Africanus ordered that the statue of Aeneas should be placed in his tomb, and that the illustrious surname, which he had acquired, I may say, as his share of the spoil on the conquest of the third part of the world, should be read over his ashes, along with the name of the poet. The Emperor Augustus, now deified, forbade the works of Virgil to be burnt, in opposition to the modest directions to that effect, which the poet had left in his will, a prohibition which was a greater compliment paid to his merit than if he himself had recommended his works. M. Varro is the only person who, during his lifetime, saw his own statue erected. This was placed in the first public library that was ever built, and which was formed by Asinius Pollio with the spoils of our enemies. The fact of this distinction being conferred upon him by one who was in the first rank, both as an orator and a citizen, and at a time, too, when there was so great a number of men distinguished for their genius, was not less honor to him, in my opinion, than the naval crown which Pompeius Magnus bestowed upon him in the war against the pirates. The instances that follow among the Romans, if I were to attempt to reckon them, would be found to be innumerable for it is the fact that this one nation has furnished a greater number of distinguished men in every branch than all the countries of the world taken together. But what atonement could I offer to thee, Marcus Tullius, were I to be silent respecting thy name? Or on what ground am I to pronounce thee as especially preeminent? On what, indeed, that can be more convincing than the most abundant testimony that was offered in thy favor by the whole Roman people? Contenting myself with the selection only of such of the great actions of the whole of your life, as were performed during your consulship you speak and the tribes surrender their agrarian law or in other words their very subsistence you advise them to do so and they pardon roscius the author of the law for the regulation of the theatres and without any feelings of resentment 
allow mark to be put upon themselves by allotting them an inferior seat you entreat and the sons of proscribed men blush at having canvassed for public honours before your genius catiline took to flight and it was you who proscribed m antonius hail then to thee who was the first of all to receive the title of father of thy country who was the first of all while wearing the toga to merit a triumph and who didst obtain the laurel for oratory great father thou of eloquence and of latin literature as the dictator caesar once thy enemy wrote in testimony of thee thou didst require a laurel superior to every triumph how far greater and more glorious to have enlarged so miserably the boundaries of the roman genius than those of its sway those persons among the romans who surpass all others in wisdom have the surnames of catus and corculus given to them among the greeks socrates was declared by the oracle of the pythian apollo to be superior to all others in wisdom end of section thirteen